Well, we're gonna we're still on the uh, go and be. Um, this is the third message on this, and it's the threshold of trust, and we'll get into what that means later on. But uh, everybody have a good week. It looks like a lot of people are either on spring break or sick, but I know there's a lot of sickness going on. Uh, I haven't, but I'm feeling a lot better. Uh, all of you that have been praying for me, I appreciate it very much. Uh, it's helping me a lot. This message today is, I don't have any jokes or anything, so we'll just have to bypass all that and get right to the message. Uh, is on uh, the threshold. And, uh, I, of course, you know, I, my, my livelihood is doors. Uh, either doors or God, that's as far as I go. I know a lot about doors, and this is a, a threshold that goes under a door. And the threshold you have to cr- cross over uh, to get to the other side of that door, get the other side of where you're going. And, and I wrote something this week, and I want to read, write it, uh, read it to you real quick. One of the messages I sent out, I think it was Wednesday morning. It's about crossing a... <clears throat> Crossing his threshold of trust. And what I find uh, so prevalent is that a lot of people really have a, a struggle uh, trusting God. Uh, if, if we can't learn to trust God, and, and the way we learn is we look back into his word and see how the people before us trusted God, see what God says about trust, and we go forward. But I know if we can't trust God, it's going to really be hard to, to, to witness the plans of God, to witness how to go and be a disciple of God. Uh, so we have to learn how to trust, and we're going to be going through Moses and, and some different parts in Genesis and all over the place a little bit, but we'll continue looking at the life of Moses and the people that surrounded Moses to see how, how they did it, how it really truly works. Uh, I was dealing with a young lady, uh, lady the other day, and and her, one of her main issues was she, tr- she really struggled trusting God. And she allowed the, the world, the, 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 the evil of the world, the influence of the world from different things that are going on in her life to just overwhelm her where she really just simply said, I, I really can't trust God. And that's, that's a dangerous place to be because you're allowing the world to influence every part of your life and you're not focusing on God, you're focusing on, on the world. And then about two or three hours later, I, I think she finally started to get the grasp of it, that she really needed to concentrate on God. And if you're not concentrating on God and concentrating on, on how we're to trust and have our faith in that, then you're going to be concentrating on something else rather than God, and it's going to always try to influence you more. Does everybody say that makes sense? So if, if, you're, if you're dealing with, with trust issues... Well, we live in a world that's hard to trust anybody anymore. I remember Bill and Blackwell and many others. When I started business way back when I was about 25 years old, I would just hold out my hand. And that meant something. Now, we don't, we, you, you can't hardly do that anymore, right? Everybody's going to send you a contract. But to be honest with you, I do jobs all the time where I, I may have a job maybe halfway done. I've got a job right now where I'm on. It's, it's halfway done. I haven't got a contract yet, but it's coming. I think I actually did get it Friday. It's coming because I, I, I trust people. But I, more than people, I trust God with what I'm doing. God seems to always take care of my situations. I trust him. And if, if somebody wants to do something wrong to me, I'm still going to trust God. I'll just get a little smarter <laughs> on how I trust people. 
I trust God with every aspect of my life. I have to. If I didn't, I would be in such a mess. And one of the other things we have to deal with, and we'll try to deal with today, too, is, is reconciling our past. I, I wrote a couple of principles down here. If, you're, if your past is not reconciled with God, your future is not reconciled with God. Now, I know a lot of Christians, and I know this personally to be a fact because I know that their past is a total wreck. And they're, they're still they're trying to move forward with God when they've never reconciled the past with other people they may have harmed or done wrong to. They've just kind of like, well, that really didn't happen, did it? <laughs> I'll just turn my back to that. And God, you'll know I mean, I, you know I'm sorry, God. I'm not going to go back and take care of this issue. But God, you know I'm okay, right? Let's just keep moving forward. Wrong. Wrong. How, how, how do you think you can go forward when you haven't reconciled the past? Now, you can do all you want in your own power, but I'm telling you, it's in your own power, and God won't be a part of that because that's not how God works. It's just not. Until you are completely committed to God, you will never be completely committed to God's plans. And so if I'm going to be completely committed to God, as a child of God, I've got to trust. One of, the, one of the wonderful things we learn as a child is to trust our parents, right? Did you ever find out that some of the things your parents told you when you were a child was a lie? Santa Claus? <laughs> I mean, some things they told us, I think they told us just to shut me up. I learned later I always thought that was true because my mama said it was true, and I find out that's not true. And sometimes they would say things, and they would act like it was in the Bible, and I'd find out later, that's, that wasn't in the Bible. It was something like that, but not quite like that. And so I, I had to, you know, you just say, well, how do you deal with that? Well, you know, it was my parents. They were trying the best they could. We do that, but, wow, it's a mess when you find out there's not an Easter bunny in it. I didn't really have a problem with that. There's not. I'm sorry, John. Now, the reason I bring it up is because I, I can't remember who it was, but somebody told me this week that they had to uh, tell their, I think, it was their, I think it was their son, that there wasn't an Easter bunny. And Ava, my granddaughter, found out there wasn't a Santa Claus this year, and she looked at her parents and said, you lied to me. Reconcile the past. Until you, until, you claim, until you claim your past, in other words, until you come to grips with something that you're holding on to that you shouldn't hold on to, that, that God wants that past, until you claim it, until you own it, until you quit being the victim and understand that you're not the victim, there's a good chance that whatever you're holding on to is your own fault. Until you get that into your head and you, until you reconcile that with other people and God, you cannot accept the forgiveness. You're going to struggle with forgiveness. You, you don't believe it's there for you because you're, you're, not, you're not claiming what you need to claim. And your past, you, you, you can't get any redemption from that. Own it or it's going to own you. Amen? I know that God loves us with passion and that we'll struggle through things because he loves us enough to allow it to struggle. 
I wrote this, and I'll read it, and we'll get started. Go and be. To wrestle with the weakness of believing truth comes before the real faith of believing we serve a sovereign God, a supreme Lord, an omnipresent God of all. To trust in him, to trust in him. Warriors are called into battles, but each one must war within their own mind to surrender to the authority that is over them. To trust by faith that no matter how the day unfolds, they will stay loyal. And that word loyal is important, isn't it? I don't, I, don't, I don't know, did we forget loyalty somewhere in the last 20, 30 years? Men and women, they're not loyal to their husbands and wives. They just get divorced over, the, over nothing, and they're not loyal to their kids. Somehow we forgot loyal. And I'm telling you, we need to be loyal to God. And if you're not going to be loyal to God, you're not going to be loyal to anything. But as for you, this is a verse, I want you, I want you guys to remember this. Say, everybody say, Genesis 50, 20. This will help you. And it says here about Genesis 5, 20, But as for you, meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. In order to bring about, as it is this day, to save people alive. In Genesis 50, 20. And that's, uh, I'm not going to get that story. That's Joseph, where his brothers put him in captivity for many, many years. But it turned around, and he was able to save millions, if not thousands, if not millions of lives in Egypt. So a lot of times, what, what, what people mean for evil, if you'll allow God to work through that and give God your past, your present, and your future, you'll see that that evil that was meant for you, God will turn it to good. I've seen it happen over and over again. But you've got to be willing, as the children of God, to stay loyal to God. Amen? To, to know you're in that battle, that soldier. You've got to recognize that and do that. I'll go on just a little bit more. It says, God can and will take every fear, every emotion, every situation, and use it to reveal his plan for you. Will you trust him? It's a question I ask. And it says, I PS this. It says, I have watched more people get to the threshold of trust, the door of eternal life, only to stop short and turn away and turn back to the insanity they came out of. Your enemy is real, and it's not the church. And it's not God. It is the mind that Satan tempts with distrust and a critical spirit. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come before you this morning, Lord, I thank you for this message, Father. I thank you for your love and your joy. Father, you call us to have joy in you. And Lord, if we truly are following you, we'll have joy. Even in the hardest days of our lives, we'll seek you and you bring us joy. Through words, through music, through circumstances, through prayers, through brothers and sisters. Father, joy is there if we'll search it and seek it with all our heart. It's your name I pray, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Go and be. Trust and faith in God's word will align our alliance to God's plans. Amen? But I really have got, and I'm going to say, I'll tell you right now, a lot of you right sitting here will struggle with trust. You just do. You, and it's just it's part of our nature, part of that, that sin nature, to struggle with trust. And what I'm going to try to help you here today is to understand we can trust a sovereign God. Amen? Everybody say, I can trust a sovereign God. You can. Trust and faith in God's word will align our alliance to God's plan. Moses could no longer allow his past, and listen to this. Now, Moses had a terrible past. 
A lot of you, I don't know if a lot of you, some of you may know about Moses, Moses' past, but Moses was a murderer, he was a coward. He was just all kinds. He had a terrible past. He lived his first 40 years living under Egypt, like a prince of Egypt, with everything you could imagine given to him, with great education, and that was God's, God working out a plan that he was going to do with Moses. And then he lived the next 40 years in complete solitude. He, had a, he, had, he ran into a wife, and he, a, a man with women, and, and he married a wife and had some kids, but it was away from his family, away from the Hebrews, away from Egypt, completely out in the desert. He ran around with a, became a, ship, a sheep herder, and he just pretty much lived in solitude. He really struggled. He was 80 years old when God called him to the bush. Some of us, takes a while, doesn't it? I mean, this man, he really struggled with his past. In fact, I would say he was pretty scared of it because he figured if he went back to Egypt, they would kill him because he killed an Egyptian, and that's why he ran away. He ran in fear. He was a coward. He didn't stay and trust God through that. He ran. Trust in God's promises. Number one, this is, this is, go back to Genesis and Abraham. When this, when, the, when God put Abraham, Abra, he was called Abram at the time, he wasn't called Abraham yet, he was called Abram. And God is talking to, to Abram, and he's in a deep sleep. And he's, Abram is really, he's just fearful because they haven't had a child, and God keeps promising him this promised land, and he's going to be, have descendants as many as the sand, and he's saying, how am I going to have descendants when I don't even have a, I don't even have a child? And so God's going to lay it out to him. And he says, and this is, this is the promises that Moses would have to go back and look at these promises. He had to trust God with his promises. I told this lady the other day, I said, you've got to trust God with his promises. Amen. If, you, if you're not trusting God, with, if you don't even know the promises of God, how are you going to trust the promises of God? I suggest you go out, like I asked this young lady, to go out to a Christian bookstore and look up a little book called a little pamphlet, The Promises of God, and that you would read those promises of God every day because those promises he will keep, amen? It doesn't matter if it's Moses' time or our time. He will keep his promises. Jesus is coming back. I have no doubt about that. He is coming back. And those that want to say, no, hey, that's just no fairy tale claim. I'm sorry, but he's coming back, and I'm sorry for you. But he's coming back. He doesn't have to come back to prove it to you. He's coming back because he promised it to us. Amen? He promised us. He's coming back. He even built mansions for us, a place to take us. He's coming back. And he said to Abram, know certainly that your descendants will be strange. Now, look at that. What's that word, certainly? I mean, know it. Certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs. And he's talking about Egypt. Now, Abram's got no idea, but he's just he's promising. He's, getting, he's making a promise for Moses, for you, for me, for all eternity. That not's theirs. And will save, and I will save, and, and will save them. And they will aff afflict them 400 years. How long were they in slavery? 400 years. Now, now Joseph, was like, Joseph was like the second command of Egypt for many years. And for many years they prospered. When, Ab when uh, Jacob brought his sons and, and the wives and his, and his grandchildren into, Israel, into Egypt, there was seven, about 70 of them. That's all there was. And all of a sudden, God just prospered the Hebrews. And 70 turned into thousands. And thousands turned into hundreds of thousands. 
And then hundreds of thousands turned into millions. And Egypt woke up and said, wait a minute. They got scared. They got fearful that the Hebrews would overpower them, maybe do war with them. And they would continually put them into slavery and give them strict, horrible jobs to do. Things almost impossible because they wanted to slow down the multitude of the Hebrews. You know what it did? It speeded up. <laughs> because what they meant for evil, God meant for good. Amen? What the, what, the, what the Egyptians wanted to do on them was so grotesque and so evil, but God said, I am going to bless it. It will take 400 years, but I will bless it. You have to believe in the promises of what, I'm giving, what God's promises are today, even past your lifetime. You have to believe in his promises. If you believe and want to understand God, you've got to start with believing his promises. Let's start over again. Then, then he said to Abram, know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in the land that is not theirs and will serve them and they will afflict them 400 years and also the nation whom they serve, I will judge Afterward, they shall come out, everybody say, with great possessions. Guess what? Moses doesn't know it yet, but that exactly is going to happen. Something that God had promised years in the past is going to come forward. And Moses has to believe in these promises. Just like we still do today. Trust God with your life. Amen? Everybody says, well, yeah, I trust God. How much do you trust God with your life? I mean, really, I mean, do, as a Christian, how much do you really trust God with your life? I mean, I want to trust God with my life, every aspect of it. But I, I fall short. But I want to, but I fall short, and he, he keeps working with me. And as I understand who God is more in my life, the more I give understanding that trust I need to have in him. I've got to trust him with every part of my life. I watch my family, I trust him with them. I watch my grandchildren, I trust God with them. I trust God with Ray. I trust God with the church. I trust God. Because really, what else are we going to do? Think about it. What power do you have? You don't, you don't, you can't control it. I love to trust God, and I love to see when God takes that evil thing and turns it to good. I said, mm. he's showing me how to trust him even more. I'm going to go back to Exodus 1 here because I want to just show you uh, something that we probably don't, probably don't talk about a whole lot is midwives. Now, Pharaoh, he, he decided he had this great plan because the Hebrews were multiplying so rapidly that he decided he's going to just kill all the baby boys. He's just going to destroy them all. So he calls on the midwives. And he says, I want you to, as you go to these women to have their babies, I want you to kill them. Or at least call somebody to do something. You know, it's like, it's a good thing they didn't know about abortions back in. And I want to get there today. The midwives feared God. Now, that's, that fear is an awe of God. In other words, they trusted God. They, they honored God. They loved God. They've been in slavery for 400 years, but they believe in the promises of God. They've seen many people die in their families. 
Many people be tortured, but yet they still fear God. And that's the awe of God. That's the, I know God's got it no matter what. And did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them. Now, let me tell you something. That's trusting God with your life. Amen? Because Pharaoh could very well just kill them. They were nothing but slaves. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the male children alive. Can you do that with your life? If the government was to come down on you? You said, well, that's not going to happen. You're just a few thousand miles away from it happening right now. It's not the time period. It's the where you're located in the world. Because this is taking place. Genocide of Christians is taking place all over the world, all over the Middle East. Don't be fooled by evil. It says in 18, So the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this thing? And saved the male child alive. I don't know how I would react when I know that I, that I have taken place and did exactly the opposite of what the king of Egypt or the pharaoh of Egypt did at this time. I just lost my screen. I'll, I don't know what I would have done at that time. But I know that you're going to have to go and face this king and you're going to have to have a challenge of what is going on. But they trusted God more than they feared the king. Amen? And see, that's the trust that I think that God wants us to have, is to trust him with everything. I feel like these midwives, we can look at it and not pay a whole lot of attention to it. But if I could really get my trust like they had their trust, man, how much more powerful person for God could I be? So we can look at it but not give it much thought, but there's a lot of things going on there. And I want you to recognize their trust for God, even in the position they were in. Are we ready to go yet? We're slowing down. There we go. And 19, and the midwives said to Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are like, like that of the Egyptian women, women trying to play on, he, on the Pharaoh, trying to play games with him there, for they are lively and give birth before the midwives come to them. They weren't stupid, were they? They were telling the truth. You, I'm not looking at this as a lie. I, I look at this as this really happened. I'm looking like that they, they actually told Pharaoh this because it was actually what was going on. Therefore, God dealt with, with the midwives. Now listen, now listen, the midwives passed their trial. Amen? They, they passed that fiery test. They passed it. They did exactly what they knew to do, what they knew, what they knew was right to do, according to God. They went to the, to the king, and they faced him with what they have done, and they said, God, I trust you with my life. And therefore, God dealt with them, dealt with the midwives, and the people multiplied. Everybody say amen. amen. And the people multiplied and grew very what? Mighty. 
because midwives trusted God. It wasn't pastors trusting God. It wasn't elders and deacons trusting God. It wasn't Sunday school trusting God. It was midwives trusting God. What an encouragement that is. 21, and so it and so it was because the midwives feared God that he provided households for them. Do you believe that God will provide for you? Even in the, even in the hardest times, he will. Trust God with your past and your future. Amen? Trust him with your past and your future. This past thing I'm going to hit on later, a little bit later on, but you've got to trust God. Trust him in all times, at all times. You people, this is a psalm. Trust him at all times, you people. All times, that means the past, the present, and the future. Everything in your life, you're to trust God. Pour out your heart before him. Now, that word pour out. I saw a couple of girls up here praying. I think it was Ashley and Sarah a while ago praying up here. Pouring out their heart. I, I think God just loves it when we really pour out our hearts. Pour out your heart before him. God is your refuge for us. You need to write that, that verse down. And you need to memorize that. Pour out your heart. If more people would pour out their heart to God, their past would be cleaned up. It would be reconciled with God. They would see the plans that God has for them. They would be happy to go and be the feet, the voice for God. Reconcile the past. In Exodus 3, 11 to 15, Moses, Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Moses is going to wrestle with that past. I mean, he, he understands who he is. But he's going to have to trust God for where God's taking him. Amen? He understands clearly. He knows he failed in every category. He failed. But he's got to now to trust God. He's got to look back at Abraham and look back at Joseph and look back at Jacob and look back at Isaac and see how they trusted God, and he's got to go that way. He says here, you just, but Moses said to God, who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. Well, who am I to preach God's word? The first thing we've got to understand that you are a child of God. And it should not be you, it should be God. Amen? And when you are reconciled to God through the redemption of, of his love and his grace, you can go in the power of God. These plans that God has for us, if it's not in the power of God, then we should not go. You've got to recognize who you are and recognize who God is. Believe the promises of God and trust him. In verse 12 it says, so he said, I will certainly be with you. What did God say? I saw that word certainly a while ago. Didn't you guys see that word certainly a while ago? So he said, I will certainly be with you. A promise of what? promise of God. If you're reconciled with God, if you're redeemed by God, he's going to be with you because he's your God. 
He's not going to leave you out alone somewhere. He's going to be with you. He's going to be in front of you. He's going to be all over it. I will certainly be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Man, oh man, what a task God's asking for Moses to do. Moses, he's, he's, his mind is, just, imagine his mind. I've got to go back where I came from, the insanity I left, to go back and save my people. See, Moses is a shadow of Christ. One man heading back to save the people. It's a shadow of Christ. To pull them out of sin, which is what Egypt represents, is sin. Pharaoh always represents Satan, and Egypt always represents sin. So God sends Moses to pull them out, and he makes them another promise. In other words, it's not going to be a if, and, or maybe, or, or maybe, or but, or whatever. You're coming back. You're coming back to my mountain, the mountain of God. Now you have to do is trust God, right? You have to trust him. You have to trust him. In 13, then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? That's a good question, isn't it? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. He's the great I am. That would resonate with those people. And, this, and he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations, the great I am. And Moses took these words from God, the burning bush, all his past. He was able to reconcile all that with God to get it right, and to trust God with every aspect of it and go back. And he'd still make a few more excuses and probably get to them in later sermons, but he would still trust God and go back to the danger zone. You can trust God with your promises and your life, your past and your future. If we want to be a church that, that sees the plans of God and wants to be willing to go out and be the feet and the voice and the hands of God, we've got to learn to trust him because those evil things that mean us harm, they are coming. They have come. They've come ever since we opened this church. They will continue to come. They'll come in the forms of words. They'll come in the forms of people. They'll come. But I'm telling you, God will take it for good. Do you believe that? Patience. Learn patience. Learn to keep your mouth quiet and your ears open and your heart open to God. And you'll see it work over and over again. In Colossians 121-23 it says, And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, this is that talking of not reconciling the past, yet now he has reconciled in the body of the flesh through death, that's Jesus on the cross, to present you holy 
and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Your past, you've got to let it go. You have got to get it right. If you're still worrying about your past, how is Jesus ever going to let me into heaven with my past? Well, you're, you're all about works. It's not about it. It's about the cross. It's always been about the cross. Everybody say amen. amen. If it wasn't for the cross, my past would consume me. The guilt of my past would overpower me. It would seek out to destroy me. I'm not some little altar boy. I've got a past, and it's not pretty. Not all of it's pretty. I don't live in it. I've reconciled every bit of it I can to God. Amen? I've taken care of things that I maybe have hurt, harmed people or something way years ago when I called those people and apologized. I don't let the sun go down when I have a quarrel with somebody. The Bible says don't do it. You reconcile it now. You want to trust God? Then you trust him. Amen? You trust him. You don't play around with it. You trust him. That word has, has power in it. It holds who you are. And you who once were alienated and enemies of your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast. And what's the faith? The faith that saved me. The faith that, that pulled millions of people out of Egypt. Faith in the omnipresence of God and the love of God, the promise of faith in all about God. Everybody, does that make sense to everybody? Everybody just kind of looking at me. Grounded and steadfast. I mean, I mean, Bill, what's grounded me? I mean, grab some big long screws, take it through my feet, put it to the ground. I'm grounded, right? I'm not moving, right? Try to miss my toes, will you? Let's go through your toes. I'm grounded. And not only grounded, I'm steadfast. In other words, the whims of the world are not going to affect me. That sweet young lady I was talking to the other day, the evil was affecting her. And I looked at her when we said then we prayed, and I said, I said, you say, God doesn't answer your prayers. You can't understand when God's not I said, why, why do you think you're here? And I said, did not God answer your prayers by you coming here? And they looked at me with the tears and said, yes, he did. Yes, he did. God wants to take care of you. He wants to answer your prayers. But you've got to trust him with every part of your life. If you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, you take God out of the, you take God out of anything, and you have no hope. Hope is just a it's a four letter word. You take God out of your life, there can be no hope. Because I want to ask you a question: What's your hope in if it's not in God? It's got to be in something. Well, I have hope. Well, give me, a, give me an explanation of that, will you? I mean, give it to me. Because if it's not grounded in the sovereignty and the promises of God, then what is your hope grounded in? In your words? 
and they're, they're dealt by emotions and feelings and craziness of the world. It's not hope. We have hope in God alone. Amen? Hope in God alone. You people here, you are so blessed. The ones of you that trust God, I can't tell you how blessed you are to trust God. Because the majority of the world does not trust God. They trust in hokey pokey stuff. Whatever that is. Because that's what it is. It's hope. hope it's whatever you make it. But you, 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 all you out here that trust God, you are so blessed. You are such a minority. You are such a small percentage of the world. And God will never turn his back on you. You have to believe that the evil that comes before you, God will make it good. Amen? You've got to believe that. You've got to believe it. No matter how bad it looks, no matter how dark it looks, you've got to trust God and you've got to believe God and have your hope in God. I'm telling you, this world will chew you up, spit you out, stomp you in the ground, and laugh if they walk off. But my hope is in God. My trust is in God. And now I see the evil so prevalent. But it doesn't devour me. I often have people want to be my friend on Facebook. Vicky is sometimes say, why are you monkey with those people? I say, because I'm going to give them an earful, and then I'll let them go. Well, I had this lady from Alabama, oh, pretty little girl from Alabama, picture on the thing, you know. I knew what it was. I know exactly what it is. And so I go back and I check, and there's nothing to check because I know what it is. Somebody's going to try to con you or tempt you with some pictures or something. So I said, Lord, give me the words because I'm going to push this confirm button, and then we're going to get started. Push that confirm button a few minutes later. She says, would you like to exchange pictures? And I sent her back, and I said, I'm an old man. And I love the Lord with great passion. Can I help you understand Jesus Christ? They sent me back. Oh, I believe. I believe. Then a little more temptation. I kept sending her scriptures. I sent her text messages. Whoever it was, probably wasn't a girl. Whoever it was, I kept sending them stuff. And they kept sending back. And you could see everything about them. Finally, they said, it's nice to meet a man of God. I said, would you like my text messages every day? They said, yes, would you please send them to me? I said, okay, I'll send them to you. The next morning, as I was sending myself out, I pushed a button to send it. They had already got rid of me. Evil wants you. And sometimes we have to face evil. It's all around us. But don't you fall for it. You give them the word of God. You give them the love of God. Whatever it might be at that moment, you give it to them. And you let God take it. Amen? That person had to know there's a man in Indiana that loves the Lord and is a man of God. Whether it will help him or not, I don't know, but my job was to give that out. To understand the plans of God, one must consider and trust God's plans to re redemption. How much time have I got? 
Colossians, we're going a little long, Colossians, we'll close here in a few minutes, that you may walk worthy of the Lord. If I want to trust God, I've got to walk worthy of the Lord. Amen? I'm, when I trust Him, I'm walking that way. Fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Fully pleasing Him. Huh. Oh, you mean, huh? I don't have to be happy all the time. See, sometimes I'm not a happy person. Are you, are some, are you guys always happy, happy, happy? No. Well, see, this world, they, evil likes to lie to us. If you're not happy, there's got to be something wrong. Well, I'm joyful because of God. Sometimes I'm, sometimes I'm not having happy days. But I'm joyful because, Lord, I will not lose my joy. I praise Don't let me lose my joy. Fully pleasing him. Despite what my day is like. Because I've been reconciled to him and I trust him that the evil that's coming up on this day will turn to good. Amen? Everybody say Genesis 50-20. Being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Every good work, the things that we do, the things you send out to people, the smiles you have on your face, the love that you have in your heart, the good work that you do, but increasing in the knowledge of God. One of the issues I deal with a lot is people, they do not have knowledge of God. And I'll tell you, the, the biggest thing I hear is that, well, how come God did this, or how come God did that, or why isn't this working? They're always trying to blame God. They're not never putting the emphasis on themselves. God says, you seek him and he'll get you, right? Amen? Seek God and watch what he does with your life. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Ooh, ooh, that's a good verse. Giving thanks to the Father who has, who is what? Why am I up here? He's qualified. He's qualified me. You want to know the plans that God has for your life? You want to go and be? Get qualified. I mean, start seeking God like you've never sought him out ever before. Allow him to change your life and mold your life and break your life and change your life and mold your life. And then the inheritance of the saints in the light. See, the saints, that's us, isn't it? We're all saints, the ones that belong to Jesus Christ. We're saints, and we're in the light. I have, a, I have these little, I'll get this one here. These little flashlights here. Nine cents a piece. John Rosak sent me a bunch of them. A little flashlight. I'm going to leave them in the box, and I'll put them down there. But I would love for you to grab a flashlight and a card. And you put them in your purse, you put them in your car, you put them in your truck. And when you're talking to somebody about Jesus, be the light. Amen? Who, now, who doesn't want a key flashlight? Everybody, right? Can't you just give them a card to go along with it? Can't you be the light like that? There's a bunch of them in here. You can have them. You're welcome to them. I get as many more as you want. Verse 13, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and convey and, and cover. Somebody give me that word. Say it again. 
He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Man. Delivered us from the power of darkness. He has given us, He's qualified us to get past our past. He has given us the power to get past the darkness. So I ask why do so many Christians live with their past not being reconciled and they can't do anything under God's power in the future because they won't let their past be reconciled with God? He's given it to us. It's because we don't want to do the hard things, the tough things. Well, how in the world are you going to risk your life for God if it's called for? If you can't get past that, you're never going to. You, you can't get past what the midwives do. And you'll be all so proud and we're so smart today. We better go back and rethink it. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son, His Son, Jesus Christ, of His love. 14, in whom we have, everybody give me that word? Redemption. Redemption. Through what? The forgiveness of what? Sins. Through his son. Moses is going to go and he's going to have to really deal with these trust issues. He's going to have to really get into some serious issues with God to do what God's asking him to do. You are no different. We may not be asked to go save millions of people out of some horrible kingdom somewhere, but we're asked to go out and pull them out of the fire of hell by the witness and our testimonies of Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Commit to God your past. This is your challenge for the week. Commit to God your past, Brooke, come on up, and your future so that his plans may become your blessings. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. Some of you have never crossed the threshold of trust. You've come close to it. And for whatever reason, evil has overpowered you and turned you back. I know that to be true because I, I know some of you. I know a lot of other people. I know it to be true. You're so close to the freedom that Jesus Christ wants to offer us. And it's not a fake freedom. And that freedom comes by seeking him. I get so tired of people not understanding this stuff. It's not rocket science. It's God. He didn't make it hard. He made it nice and simple for us. But we have to trust him with it. Amen? You know why it's hard? Because you don't want to trust God. You don't want to trust God. If you've been to that threshold and turned around a few times, I'm going to ask you something. Step over it today. Ask Jesus Christ to become the Lord of your life the king of your life, and then trust him, not with one or two points of your life, but all the past, all the present, and all the future. And every time that that evil comes upon you, you turn to Genesis 50, 20, and you read that, and you trust that, and you believe the promises of God, and he'll get you through. Amen? Dear Heavenly Father, as we close today, Father, I ask for your protection as 
we drive home, Father, in the rain. And, and Lord, for the ones that are so sick today, I ask you to be with them. But Lord, you gave me a message about trust. And Father, I'm asking today, Father, if there's one standing here, sitting here, Father, that have not trusted you with their past. They're lying to themselves. They're lying to you. That, Father, today, they would cross that threshold of trust. They would lay it out to you. That you would lift them up as you promised us. That they would truly be the child of God that you've called them to be. Lord, thank you for this church. Thank you for, for continually protecting us, for cleansing us, Father. Thank you for cleansing us. Thank you, Father, for separating the evil from the good. Thank you, Father, for these that you've called to be children of God. May we bless you, Father, through this week in our lives. It's in your son's name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. If you're a child of God, if you belong to Jesus Christ, if you've surrendered your life to him, you're welcome at these tables. You're welcome to come and enjoy the Lord today.